ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring, bring it all together. Because this is the bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday. Miss Judy, please take your meds today, or I will tell the world about your genius preakness picks yesterday. Talk about coming back down to reality. Sheesh, unbelievable. 859. 381-1313 is the number to call to join in on the fun and excitement. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. On today's show, a sports book has released their SEC football odds. And the Big Blue Nation is already complaining. What a shocker. The NBA season finally ends today, so we can finally... Start handicapping the NBA playoffs starting this week. The alleged best team in Major League Baseball makes a very surprising move. Ben Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast will join us to talk all things in the sports world. And, of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. We've got the volume on full blast this morning because we're having a difficult time hearing you or anything else Due to all the cash money in our ears, our official bottom line horse racing expert, Peyron Harris of Richmond, gave us the trifecta yesterday. All three horses he picked finished in the top three. So congratulations to him on those great calls. We hope you get on, got in on that one. And, of course, we picked the biggest Major League Baseball underdog on the board yesterday, a team that had lost nine of their last ten games, and they take down a division leader that was starting a pitcher that was 5-0, and had an ERA under one, and it, the guy had just thrown a no-hitter a few weeks ago. Yeah, no big deal. You don't get this stuff anywhere else around here, I can promise you. All this and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio experience. But first, Hulk Hogan. Let me tell you something, brother. Before you flip the channel, we are not going to start talking about professional wrestling. On this show, our good friend Angelo Carriero, whose show will be coming up later this morning after the bottom line, he talks about wrestling on his show, and I just give him a hard time about it sometimes. I'll, I'll tell him something like, you know, the good book tells us when I was a child, I thought childish things, but when I became an adult, I put away my childish things. I haven't watched wrestling this century, other than just for a couple of minutes at a time, just to make fun of it, because I grew out of it. But when I was a kid in the 80s, my friends and I liked professional wrestling because we thought it was funny. And every year they had WrestleMania, the, big, the biggest event of the year. And the good guys always seemed to, want, to win at WrestleMania. Some evil challenger would come to challenge the good guy Hulk Hogan. Guys like Rowdy Roddy Piper and King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, Sergeant Slaughter, whoever. And two of my personal favorites... Bobby the Brain Heenan, and the Million Dollar Band, Ted DiBiase. They would all challenge Hulk Hogan, and it would always look like that the good guy Hulk Hogan was going to lose, but then the Hulkster would make that amazing comeback that everyone knew was inevitable, and he would win. And then the music would start, and the bad guy that lost would somehow invisibly and just mysteriously disappear without anyone noticing, 
And then Hulk Hogan would flex his muscles for 10 minutes and then tell kids to take their vitamins, drink their milk, listen to their parents, stay in school, and be a real American. And because I was a different kid, that just made me sick because I always rooted against Hulk Hogan. But Hulk Hogan always won the final match at WrestleMania every year for the 80s. And everyone goes home happy. Well, except me because I didn't like Hulk Hogan. But in the 80s, it was good for business that the good guys won the biggest event of the year. Every single year. And that is the phrase that's used to this day in wrestling. What's best for business. But in the real world today, we all do what's best for business. All the time. Every day. We go to jobs because we get paid to do it. We make decisions every day based on what's best for business. We pick games every day on this show. And those picks are red hot right now, by the way. But every decision of games to pick is what's best for business. Sometimes you have to make the tough decisions that piss people off. And you look like the bad guy. But if it's best for business, it's often the right decision, whether it makes you popular or not. Yesterday at Pimlico Racetrack, the result might not have been something anyone expected. And there will be no Triple Crown winner this year. That's exactly what the horse racing industry wants every year. The Triple Crown. A horse to win the first two races of the Triple Crown. And then those three weeks of hype to get ready for the Belmont in June. But this year, it might be what's best for business that they don't have a Triple Crown. Because the resident Bobby the Brain Heenan of horse racing himself, Bob Baffert, just got busted for cheating. What if Baffert's horse, Medina Spirit, actually won the Preakness yesterday? Do you think this mysterious second blood sample that has taken over two weeks now to be examined, now how does that happen? Would that have possibly been ruled clean if Medina Spirit had won? So now that the Belmont would get its usual buzz and hype for a potential Triple Crown winner. Possibly. We come up with conspiracy theories all the time on this show. We love them. Because it's entertaining radio to some people, and I just get a kick out of it. But the bad guy lost yesterday. Bob Baffert's horse is lost. And a horse named Rombauer won. So no Triple Crown this, week, this year. And the Fringe fans, who only watch two or three races a year, probably won't even tune into the Belmont now. Because if you think about it, it was probably for the best that Medina Spirit lost so that you wouldn't have to face three weeks of steroid talk and Bob Baffert being compared to Lance Armstrong That'll all kind of die down now. But this comes down to Bob Baffert himself. He did his little media car wash last week saying it was the cancel culture. And there was no way he tested positive. Then the next day, eh, maybe he did take some ointment that forced him to test positive. Baffert sounded just like everyone else in the last 40 years who's been busted for PEDs and denied it. Everybody. And how many of those guys in the last 40 years were proven right? Uh Uh-huh. I don't remember any either. The fact that horse racing even let Medina Spirit race yesterday was very questionable judgment. But in the end, they did what was best for business. So just like WrestleMania back in the 80s, the good guy always won at the end. Only this time, it was more about the bad guy losing because we didn't even know who the good guy was. The Belmont will be in three weeks. Bob Baffert will be there with his horses. And you'll hear very little, if anything, 
about Medina Spirit's positive drug test. And life will seemingly return all the way back to normal with the bad guys mysteriously swept under the rug. Just like how life always returned to normal when Hulk Hogan would win WrestleMania every single year back in the day, whether we liked it or not. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Speaking of the Preakness yesterday, we want to thank the good people over at Stable Duel for having us out to their big shindig yesterday over at Mirror Twin Brewing. Uh, Even the bottom line showed up for a few minutes just to show our appreciation to Brian Howard and the gang over there. I couldn't believe how many people they had outside over there. It was a beautiful day. There's a ton of people out there. Even our arch nemesis, dead air Dennis Dillon of 92.1 Classic Rock was there. The only bad part of the day was that I left before the race started, so I couldn't point and laugh at dead air Dennis for picking a bunch of losers yesterday. Wait, is it? It's bad form to insult other on-air hosts on the air, right? Well... Wait, didn't I just do that? You're darn right I did. Sorry, Dead Air Dennis. I didn't mean to tell the people that you picked more boogers out of your nose yesterday than winners. Oh, well, we will hear from him in a few weeks on the Belmont. Uh, Three weeks for the Belmont. Uh, He could get his revenge on us then. And we'll hear from uh, our Stable Duel friends then as well, Brian Howard and the gang. Good time had by all yesterday. We want to thank Stable Duel and the Mirror Twin Brewery for their hospitality. But in the mile-high air last night, it looked like the Reds were going to fall victim to another edition of the Rocky Shuffle, following behind in the first inning in Denver. But somehow, someway, despite their bullpen doing their best yet again to blow another game, sheesh, that bullpen, we'll talk about that in a minute. The Reds won anyway, 6-5 to five in 12 innings, mainly because Colorado was on their ninth pitcher by the end of that game. And probably just said, you know what, let's just either hit a three-run homer or go home. Whatever. Regardless, the Reds finally won a game in this series. Nick Castellanos, three hits, upping his average now to 326. Remember last year, he got off to a great start the first month of the season. And then the second month, he was terrible. Let's hope that doesn't happen for him this year. The only productive hitters for the Reds this year have been Castellanos and Jesse Winker. Ironically, who are now hitting 1-2 in the Reds lineup. What a great lineup decision by David Bell. What a genius. Oh, wait. Eugenio Suarez and his league-worst 148 batting average continue to hit cleanup. (laughs) So much for those great lineup decisions from your genius manager, David Bell. The fourth, and thankfully for the Reds, final game of this series. And the final day of this 10-day road trip will be played today in Denver. A game that can be heard right here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5 at 2.40 this afternoon. The Reds, again, for the fourth time in this series, will be favored. They're the chalk today. Very small, though. They're minus 115 right now. They are their mysterious former Rocky, Jeff Hoffman, starts for them. Two and three on the year. 4.70 ERA. And Antonio Senzatella starts for Colorado. One and four and a Coors Field-like 5.97 ERA. You may have never heard of Antonio Senzatella, but he started 77 games for the Rockies in his career, and he's been about as average of a pitcher as you could get with a career ERA plus of 98 over over that career, meaning he's about 2% less than the average pitcher. But the Rockies are actually a slightly decent investment today because Senzatella's starts over his career have actually been profitable. In his 77 starts for the Rockies, Colorado is 39 and 38, 
when Sensatella starts. That's a return on investment of 8.9%. And if you blindly put a dollar on Sensatella every time he started for Colorado, be up $6.85 right now. That's not bad. But where Sensatella makes his hay is at home, shockingly enough. How can you find big betting trends with Colorado Rockies home pitchers? Well, the Rocker, the Rockies are 25 and 14 when Sensatella starts at home. There's a $5 fine from my phone uh, lighting up there. That's a 31.3 return on investment when Sensatella starts at home. That's cashing some tickets right there. And then Sensatella at home is an underdog. He's 14 and 10, a 32.8% return on investment. That's stacking some papers. But speaking of mediocre pitchers, Jeff Hoffman returns to his original home stadium, being a former Rocky, and he'll pitch for the Reds today. We talk about splits for the Rockies pitchers. With the Rockies for five years, Hoffman had an ERA of 6.20. With the Reds this year, 4.70. That's about par for the course in terms of splits, home and road for former Rockies pitchers. The Reds are 3-4 and four when Hoffman starts this year, but the Reds have been favored in four of those seven games. So, technically, the Reds have not lived up to expectations when Hoffman starts the Reds. But Hoffman, he's just a guy. You hear the term innings eater quite often for a third or fourth starter in the rotation who might give you 150-plus innings. But Hoffman only averages four to third inning starts per start this year, so he's not even giving you to five innings. Only once in his six seasons has Hoffman ever had an ERA plus of 100, indicating that he was an average pitcher. And that was the first season of his career when his ERA plus was exactly an even 100. And in his career, Hoffman's teams, they don't win very much when he starts. Hoffman's team's 19 and 26th in his career during starts. In other words, it's a very risky investment, especially as a favorite at Coors Field today, because as a favorite in his career, Hoffman's team's 7 and 13 lifetime. So when they're favored to win, they're barely hitting 33%. So the Reds, minus 115 this morning over the Rockies in Colorado. The Reds' bullpen... A little more rested than the Rockies is today. But David Bell used his only bullpen ace, TJ Antone, very early in games this week. So much for him getting saves anytime soon. Eh, is he going to get saves? Is anybody going to get saves for the Reds going forward? We have no idea. Antone came into a game in the fifth inning earlier this week. So who's the closer right now? I'd take odds on almost anyone getting the next save chance for this team. That's how up in the air it is. And with a combination of lousy performances and totally inconsistent misusage of their only effective reliever in T.J. Antone. Antone, of course, pitched the eighth and ninth of a tie game last night. He got two perfect innings. Since allowing four runs on May 2nd, Antone responded five and a third hitless innings, striking out eight since May 2nd. Lucas Sims got the extra inning save last night, but it wasn't really an opportunity. He got the opportunity last night. He could not convert it, of course. The guy who got the save last night, Heath Hembry, got his first save. He's yet to allow an earned run in nine innings so far this year. Who knows who's going to get the next save chance? Probably Antone, but can you bet on anybody right now? Who knows? Good luck if you're in fantasy with these guys. The Rockies used everyone in their bullpen last night, so the bullpen is just a push right now. If you're a Reds fan, go ahead and go with the Reds today. I had this game basically a toss-up. I wouldn't lay a minus 115 on Jeff Hoffman ever, but some people will. I would consider it at minus 110, 
But anything more than that is just crazy talk. Good luck today if you're on this one because we'll pass, and that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. It's the middle of May. Of course, that means only one thing here in Lexington. College football talk. College football doesn't start for three and a half months. But when the sports books put out the SEC odds, we have to talk about it because, well, that's who we are here on the bottom line. DraftKings now has their SEC football season odds out for 2021. And the Big Blue Nation, in they're irate over these odds. Why? They aren't getting the credit out in the desert they feel like they should be getting. The SEC East, Georgia, the favorite, 5-2. to two. Florida, 3-1. to one. Here's the thing. Here's the rub right here. Missouri, 5-1. to one. Third on the list here. Kentucky and Tennessee, both at 14-1. to one. And then South Carolina, 33-1. to one. Vandy at 150-1. to one. How is Missouri are at 5-1, to one, way ahead of Kentucky and even Tennessee? Is Missouri really that good? Who knows right now? But at least they have a coach. They have a quarterback. Something we have never been able to say about Kentucky in terms of the quarterback position. How is Tennessee and Kentucky both the same at 14-1? to one? Didn't Tennessee lose like 20, 25 players to the transfer portal? Yes, they did. But even in, though their coach was fired this year, they've had top 15 recruiting classes for the last three or four years. They have a transfer quarterback coming in and another five-star quarterback coming in. So do they have talent? Yeah, they have talent. They have a new coach. That's probably what they needed. They've still got a little bit of talent there that didn't transfer out. But the Cat fans are looking around and saying, wait a minute, we beat Tennessee by 100 points in Knoxville this year. We've had great recruiting classes, using that term very loosely. But around here, we know that the Kentucky recruiting classes, they get fired up for these three-star uh, three star recruits, while Alabama just laughs. Where's our five-star recruits? That's kind of the way the media treats it around here. But that's okay. It's okay. The odds are out now. Kentucky 14-1 to to win the SEC East. I'm sure a lot of people here in Lexington say, wow, that's a bargain. Eh, we don't think as much. Missouri at 5-1, to we'll agree with you. That is a little overrated, if you ask us. For the total SEC, Alabama's basically even money, minus 110. Georgia 5-2. to A&M is the third choice at 7-1. to LSU 10-1. to Florida 12-1. to Kentucky down the line 50-1 to to win the SEC. So if you're one of those in the Big Blue Nation who says, this is the year, we've got a new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, 50-1, to one, there you go. I can tell you this, we won't be with you. <laughs> May the winners be yours, but we won't be with you on that one. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective brought to you by Stable Duel. Coming up after the break, it's the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks. Presented by Jake Cigar Bar, and we are on fire right now, so make sure you stay tuned. That's coming up next, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday morning. We really appreciate it. What the heck are the Dodgers thinking? They just signed Albert Pujols yesterday. Last week on this show, we detailed how truly horrible this guy has been over the last six years. And now the Dodgers, allegedly the best team in Major League Baseball, signed this guy with no DH. Don't play DH in the National League still, so he has to play the field. He's 41 years old, allegedly. Most of Major League Baseball knows he's older. 
but the Dodgers, and he hit 198 this year, batting average. No wonder he was cut. Uh, the Dodgers looking for a proven winner, apparently. Dodgers, uh, Pujols didn't win one playoff game in his 10 years with the Angels, so I don't get it. Uh, this team now has four former MVPs on the roster and three former Cy Young winners. So, yeah, it's tough to bet against them, but that's tough to bet on them right now, too. The Dodgers probably need to focus on that lousy bullpen a little more than uh, now that they lost their second-best player, in my opinion, Corey Seager, their shortstop, just fractured his hand. He'll be out for weeks, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, they need to focus on that instead of a 41-year-old, allegedly, uh, first baseman, that hasn't been uh, himself in over a decade. That's the bottom line on that. Uh, final day of the NBA regular season today. It's amazing how LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis appear out of nowhere yesterday uh, when they need to actually win a game or two. Uh, it's amazing how that happens when these newfangled playoff play-in games happen. Yeah, yeah. my phones light up every day like a Christmas tree the last few weeks when with updates. Player A is out tonight. Player B is playing tonight. That's why it's so difficult to handle, to handicap these NBA regular season games. Who's playing? Who needs load management? Who cares? Who's tanking? Well, it's, it's too difficult for the regular season for me. We'll look forward to the playoffs. We'll actually get real games with everyone at full strength. Of course, the NBA Hall, had a Hall of Fame ceremony yesterday. Kobe, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, they got in. Uh, this isn't a very popular opinion, but I thought Tim Duncan was a better player than Kobe. Uh, I know the Laker Nation... Thinks that's crazy talk, but the numbers bear it out. I could almost make an argument Kevin Garnett was just as good as Kobe, but it, I don't think so. Falls just short of that one. Uh, good news, Chris Webber was announced yesterday. He'll be in the Hall of Fame next class. Uh, I need a total out in the desert. How many timeout references will be made on that day? Yes, we need a timeout. That was 1993. Yeah, some things you just don't get over. Just ask Bill Buckner. But, of course, if they bet... If they let Ben Wallace into the Hall of Fame, Chris Webber should be in out of respect alone. But, hey, let's, enough silliness. Let's get down to what you're here for. It's time for our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. How did you celebrate those winners yesterday? Well, you should have headed down on to uh, Jake Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing and lit up that Mac Daddy Stogie before the game's end, before the race is in. As they say at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, Cross the line with us at Jake's Cigar Bar. That's at Brandon Crossing. Go tell our friends Jake and Autumn down there that the bottom line sent you, and they'll treat you like kings like they do us. Jake'sCigarBar.com. And if you, uh, you, if you would have had our Mac Daddy Stogies yesterday, plural, uh, if you would listen to us, you'd be smoking a lot of Mac Daddy Stogies today. As we mentioned earlier, our official bottom line horse racing expert, Peyron Harris of Richmond, he gave us all three horses in the trifecta. Great handicapping by our guy, Peyron, who's been doing this forever. So kudos to him on his great picks. We hope you got in on some of that. And, of course, we gave you the Kansas City Royals, the biggest underdog on the board yesterday, uh, to upset the White Sox, whose uh, Carlos Rodon had been as good as any pitcher in major leagues this year. Just saying, people, if you aren't paying attention to this show, you're missing out. Don't come down with a case of FOMO, fear of missing out. So we delve back into the NBA playoffs next week, but it's all about Major League Baseball again for us today. Favorites yesterday in Major League Baseball, they just went 8-7. and seven. Of course, the Royals, the biggest underdog to win. Some teams have some value today. Kansas City has a little value again. Uh, the Cardinals tonight, the ESPN game, Arizona, the Phillies, the Angels. But we're going to go to Pittsburgh. The San Francisco Giants, minus 165 this morning over the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates. Let's look at these records. Oh, the Giants are 23-16. and 16. 
Pirates 17 and 22. Oh, it's a mismatch. Let's look at these pitchers. Alex Wood, where's he been the last few years? He's pitching like a crazy guy this year, but in the last two years, he's been worse than average. This year, 4-0, oh, 1.80 ERA. Mitch Keller for the Pirates, 2-4, 7.81 ERA. You've lost your mind. Well, we may have lost our mind, but we're stacking papers. We're going to play against San Francisco today. San Francisco this season, they've won 23 games, but when they're on the road and they're favored this year, they're 1-6. They've been favored seven times on the road this year, and they've lost six of those seven. Overall on the road, the Giants 9-12, and and uh, they're 10-10 and when they're favored this year. And they've already lost two of the first three in this series. So give us Pittsburgh today. They're getting a lot of value. They're the home team. Their bullpen is well-rested. And this isn't the contrarian play like we had yesterday with KC. But the early numbers have this as the most lopsided game in terms of money out in the desert. About 80% of the money right now on the Giants. So we'll take Pittsburgh. They're getting value. And they're not the public team today. The public is all over San Francisco. We always like that spot. Pirates over Giants today in Major League Baseball. Man, if you've got a little uh, extra bankroll from yesterday, spring a little bit on that first half over. We see a little offense in that game early today. You'll see over four in that. Pirates over Giants. That's our Mac Daddy Stogie. You can take that bad boy to the desert or Jake's Cigar Bar, and you can smoke him. But coming up after the break, Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. He'll join us. We'll talk all things sports with him. That's right. Coming up next right here, ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300. 92.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And with us now is one of our regular guests here on the bottom line. And he's one of our favorite guests. Well, he's probably our favorite because he's been on more than anybody else. He's our good friend, Vince Stover. Vince, the host of the Sports Stove Podcast. Vince, how you doing this morning, buddy? And I'm doing wonderful, wonderful. What beautiful morning we have. A little bit of rain to cool us off and... Uh... A good day to take a nap, I'd say. Well, that's Mr. Positivity right there, ladies and gentlemen. Some of us are trying to cash tickets today, and Vince is just worried about taking a nap. That's that's the difference between him and us. Vince, first of all, I know you're a huge Green Bay Packers fan, and they moved the, they moved the meter this week because they signed a quarterback that was just in a conference championship game a couple years ago. Blake Bortles, the chances that he starts opening day for the Packers. Get Go. I don't think there's any chance in the world he no. starts opening day for the Packers. No. No. He's third string quarterback at best at this point. But uh you know, I don't it's funny how people have reacted to this. When you have a guy who was drafted in the first round not that many years ago, and um, you know, he didn't have he wasn't a great quarterback, obviously, but he was in the AFC championship game. If you bring him in to be your third string quarterback or even your second string quarterback, that's a risk worth taking, I'd say, any day of the week. So Jordan Love, I guess he's going to be the backup. And I'm looking at the Packers right now. I don't see them. They have uh, their win totals taken off the board out in the desert. But the Packers are still the favorite in the division at minus 125. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You're of the belief that it's all going to be settled and, and Aaron Rodgers is going to sign a new contract and everything's going to be forgiven and all's going to be well the first game of the season. Would you take that minus 125 of the Packers? We know you're a fan. And the percentage chance that Aaron Rodgers takes that first snap for the Packers this year? I think the percentage chance for Rodgers taking the, the opening day snap uh, is probably in the upper 90 percentile. Okay. Um, 
you know, I think you look at the Packers as a whole as a team. They're the best team in, in the, the division. Minnesota's got some good talent, but they've got some big holes. Detroit, you know, is Detroit. And then Chicago, they still have as many quarterback issues as anybody, although I think Justin Fields and Andy Dalton will be an improvement over what they had last year. Um, so I think they're still I think they're still the favorite for a reason. I think they're the best team uh, in the division, and I think Rodgers will be the quarterback, which makes them far and above the best team in the division. I always hate uh, betting these player props for like MVP awards that are voted on because it's always about the narrative. Do the voters what narrative do they want to play? So it's not about who the best player is; it's about what the media wants to spin, what kind of story. And I look at the MVP voting. I've got Patrick Mahomes, the favorite. Aaron Rodgers, second. Is that fair? Even I see down the list. Josh Allen is third. Dak Prescott is fourth. If you can believe that. Is that fair to put Aaron Rodgers second in the MVP race in terms of out in the desert? I mean, he's not going to win back-to-back MVPs. You don't think so? <laughs> I mean, maybe if he maybe if he goes to a different team, then there's some potential for that. But no, I don't think I don't think back-to-back MVP is in the cards right now. I think Dak Prescott. That's a that's a good one to to look at because if he comes back healthy, their offense is going to be phenomenal. It was great before he got hurt last year. And had it not been for their horrible defense, Dallas would have been winning games. So I think I think I like that Dak Prescott sitting there at number four. I look down this list here and I see Deshaun Watson at uh, fifty to one to win the uh, to win the MVP. He's probably what is that uh, about fifteenth on the list right there. Number I'll give you a prop right here. Number of games combined will Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers play on opening day? Zero, one, or two for their current teams? Uh, I would say one. You think Rodgers will Watson, play and Watson won't? Watson's not playing. Yeah, Watson's going to, at the very least, be suspended, let yeah. alone, you know, holding out. I mean, I think, you know, he's more likely to, to not hold out now than he was before just because now it's like, okay, well, I need to do something. But, um, I mean, I think the league's going to su- suspend him at least four, if not six games. But they're still... Man, that seems quiet down, hasn't it? I, I mean, we still don't know everything for that. We don't know exactly what's going to be finalized, proven, um, you know, what it's going to look like in the end. If he plays uh, half the games this year, I'll be shocked. If Deshaun Watson gets eight too. games in, I will be shocked at that. Uh, but the big buzz this week, of course, we all know we're contractually obligated. Tim Tebow to Jacksonville. Uh, who knew that Trevor Lawrence <laughs> wouldn't even be – he the first or second headline. It's Tim Tebow all the way. How much do you uh, rank Jacksonville higher up your list? How many extra wins does Tim Tebow give the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, I don't know that he gives them any more wins, but I think it's a smart move. Jacksonville, you know, think about a number one overall draft pick in Trevor Lawrence that has very little pressure on him now. Um, he got kind of skipped over in the draft process because everybody knew he was going number one. So everybody wanted to talk about the you know the juicy quarterbacks. So he got he got kind of uh, let go of all that pressure. Then now Tim Tebow comes in and steals the spotlight, and everybody's looking at Tim Tebow and not Trevor Lawrence. This kid's going to come in with very little pressure, very little stress, and have an opportunity to just come in and play football. And I think that might add some wins. You know, is Tebow going to be on the roster um, for the regular season? There's a lot of questions about that. I don't see why not. I, you know, I don't see why he can't be a second or third tight end on the team. But, you know, I think it does help the team in the sense that it takes a lot of, of the spotlight off of Trevor Lawrence, which is going to help him just prepare to play football.
how long is it? If Trevor Lawrence gets injured, and heaven, we don't want anybody to get injured, but I mean, let's say he misses a game or two. <laughs> and then you've got all your backup quarterbacks, Minshew, and all of a sudden, but here, we're in Florida, and Florida loves Tebow, national champions twice, Heisman Trophy. There's people not asking for Tebow instead of Gordon Minshew? You're crazy? No, listen, Minshew, Gardner Minshew, he's, sorry, the, Gardner he's the backup at this point. Um, there's there's still some talk that he's going to get moved. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, at this point, Tim Tebow's never playing quarterback in the NFL. Now, will he do what Taysom Hill does in New Orleans? There's potential for that where he throws maybe five passes a year, um, does some trick plays and things like that. But he, he's not a quarterback. He won't be a quarterback. And even being in Florida, even being under Urban Meyer, that's not happening. Schedule came out this week, and the biggest game, and you've heard it ad nauseum already, and these tickets are going for outrageous prices, Tom Brady's return trip to New England. Do you think that Belichick will have a plan for him? And I know we're forecasting. Lord knows we're sitting here in the middle of May talking about the NFL season. But do you think that Belichick (laughs) will actually have something ready for Tom Brady to make sure that he tells the rest of the world, oh, yeah, well, Tom Brady left me and won a Super Bowl but I'm still the reason the Patriots won all the Super Bowls to begin with. Look at Bill Belichick's offseason. Look at the free agents he signed. Mm-hmm. He signed guys that are going to come and hit Tom Brady. It's the only reason he signed them. They've never spent that kind of money in free agency. They've never done the things that they've done this offseason before. He did it all for the purpose of one game uh, this coming season when Tom Brady comes back to town. And they are going to pile on him like nothing else. He's going to be out to prove that uh, you know that Brady is a system quarterback, <laughs> and and uh, and he knows the system, and he knows how to to beat the system, and ultimately that's what they did this offseason, bringing in guys. That kid from Baltimore they brought in uh, the edge rusher. You know, there's a reason. There's a reason. It's not because they play in a tough division. It's because Tom Brady's coming to town town this year. Patriots win total nine over or under right now. In a 17 game season. <clears throat> Man, uh, I would probably say nine's probably the right number on the dot. So, so I, I would stay away from the number total, I guess, and maybe I would lean over um, because they did improve their roster a lot this year. And I think you know the Jets are going to be on a learning curve. Buffalo might come down a little bit. Miami is maybe a little bit better, but I'm not sold on Tua. So maybe over if I if I was forced to pick, but I think nine's probably the right number. And that's we talk about these win totals. We I'm still not of the mindset yet. Okay, when I see nine, I think okay, can they go nine and seven? You're right. It's nine and eight now. It's like I'm still thinking. Okay, when I see these win totals, I'm thinking 16 game season. I still haven't kind of changed. It's like the San Diego Chargers. I'm still calling it the San Diego Chargers. I haven't conditioned my brain to figure out that they're the L.A. Chargers yet. We can talk about football. What's football season? But we're in baseball season right now. And I'm looking at the Cincinnati Reds here in the National League Central. We talk about them all the time. We are the voice of the Reds here on ESPN Radio 1392.5. They're only three and a half games out. They're a half game behind your Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. The Reds, this recent road trip, especially this trip to Colorado, hasn't infused much confidence in the Reds nation, don't you think? <laughs> I don't know. You know listen, it's hard for me because I cheer for another team in the division I try my best to be unbiased, but I don't know how anybody uh, that's a Reds fan can be confident in anything positive for Cincinnati moving forward. They, you know, they're going to have good games. They're going to win games. They're not going to be horrible. They're under 500. They're five and five in their last ten. 
Um, plus one run differential. I mean, they're home. They're only what ten and seven at home, I think, and eight and twelve on the road. So there's nothing to be confident about. I don't think with anybody in the Central Division, honestly. Um, you know, I still think St. Louis is the best team. I've thought that all along. But this is a year someone could jump up and steal something last minute, but not because you're confident about it, just because that's the way the cards fall. Well, I am biased because I have uh, I may have a little bit of investment in the Brewers, three to one to win this division. So that's we uh, does that make us biased? Eh, maybe a little bit. But when you talk about the Reds, they're just a team out in the desert before the season. Yeah. They they were eighty one and a half wins. That was their projected win total. That's exactly half, basically. And now you sit there; they're eighteen and nineteen. They're that's basically half. So they're kind of playing up to or down to expectations, depending on how you look at it. But I look at lineup construction, and the bullpen for this team. Joey Votto, you know, he's out now, but when he comes back, does he deserve to be hitting third? And A. Eugenio Suarez has literally been the worst hitter in Major League Baseball for the first six weeks of the season, and yesterday he's batting cleanup. Granted, it's in Colorado. He had a decent week. He had a couple of home runs, but he's still hitting below 150. David Bell lineup construction. Your thoughts? Man, if you're going to lead off with Winker every game, um, you know. <laughs> you might be the slowest Suarez. man in baseball. He's he's yeah. top ten, the slowest guys in baseball. Yes. It's like he's trying to do the exact opposite of everybody else in the league, hoping that that works out for him. It, it reminds me of the Phoenix Suns after the Nash years when they bring in Shaq and they slow everything down and try to get big and old. It doesn't work. And right now the Reds are trying to do everything opposite of what the league is doing, <clears throat> and it's proving to not work, uh, at least not work well. Uh, we're going to have a little uh, personal side wager here for a bucket of pride. Next save for the Reds. Who gets it? <laughs> that's a that's an interesting question. Next save for the Reds. Um, I'll take whoever you don't take, but I will probably both be wrong. But go ahead. Man, I don't – I, I honestly have no idea. I'm so confused about Cincinnati right now. We we knew that their uh, that their bullpen was going to be shady anyhow, but uh, man, I don't know. Throw anybody in there on all. Uh, <laughs> it is, well, it, it is um, a trick I, question. So it, it was a difficult yeah. trick question. I apologize for giving you such a hard one. I had a lot of time to sit here and study for it, and I still don't know the answer myself. So what's the big deal? <laughs> But, I mean, we look at this division, the Cardinals, I you know, I think that this team, I don't want to say fraud, but, I mean, it's like lather, it's repeat. They're always the Cardinals. You know, guys like Adam Wainwright have been there for 57 years, and they still, by the end of the year, they still got a 14-8 and record somehow, some way. I think they're a fraud. I think they're – I'm still with the Brewers winning this division. I know you're a Brewers fan and you follow this team. Call me crazy for saying the Brewers will still win this division. I mean, I'm all for it. Don't don't get me wrong. I just don't, I'm not sure. You know, they've they've gotten some good pitching from their their top three pitchers. Mm-hmm. They've really been struggling with the four and five guy in the rotation. Um, the bullpen has been okay. The the end of the bullpen's been good. The middle of the bullpen is what struggles. And then their bats just really haven't gotten going. And Yelich being injured a lot. He'll be back soon. Uh, he was down in Nashville playing a rehab game this weekend. But you know. I don't know. They're going to have to get something rolling and get get on a a tear. Their defense has been really good. My goodness, Jackie Bradley had a heck of a play in center field last night. But uh, you know, 
they got to have to get the bats going, and that middle of the bullpen is going to have to really start playing up to their potential if they're going to surpass St. Louis. The Dodgers just signed Albert Pujols. I should uh, go out to the desert immediately, correct? <laughs> well, I mean, you should have already been there for the Dodgers. Uh, so but this, I don't know that this, this absolutely puts them over the top. They just signed Albert Pujols. <laughs> How old is he? Yeah, at? I mean, he's old. Well, nobody knows. Um, yes, that's true. <laughs> Uh, I, listen, I don't. I don't think it's ever a bad thing to add someone like Albert Pujols uh, into your dugout. And um, you know, what is he going to play much? No. Is he going to be a pinch hitter here and there? Sure. Um, and the, you talk about the World Series when they get a pinch hitter uh, for a few games. You know, that's going to come in handy. I, I like the move by LA. I like the move. I and mean, you know, Albert probably wanted to stay in LA, so makes sense for everybody. I got. I got no problem with it. I, I don't know why they did it, but anyway. Hey, NBA playoffs, they start this week. Your thought on all these play-in games and LeBron and Anthony Davis mysteriously and miraculously healing yesterday for a big game. Well, I don't know if it's miraculously healing as much as, you know, you are going to play the games you you have to play. And I think Davis is more injured than LeBron, but LeBron's body is starting to break down a little bit, something to keep an eye on for the next two seasons. Playing games are going to be fun in the West. Uh, the Lakers and the Warriors are going to draw some great ratings probably. Uh, Memphis and San Antonio, no one really cares about. So you're, you're probably going to end up with the Lakers. And I, I'll give you an upset. Uh, Golden State, if they lose against the Lakers, I don't think they win the next playing game. So I think either Memphis or San Antonio gets the eighth seed uh, there. But you're talking about, uh, for someone who likes to look at, at the numbers and everything, this year in the NBA playoffs, the lower seeds are probably going to be the favorites here, mm-hmm. at least in the Western Conference. Yeah. When you're looking at the Lakers playing Phoenix in round one, I mean, Phoenix has had a great season, but uh, you know they got to be just angry <laughs> about how this is going to end up for them. Last question. If I tell you Clippers and Sixers in the finals, how loud does your voice get trying to tell me that I'm wrong? Uh, I mean... I don't want to hurt the ears of the people listening, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, it's not. I, I would say neither of those. I think neither of those teams are in the finals. All right. Do we do we have a finals pick from Vince Dover? You know, it would make sense for it to be Brooklyn and the Lakers, um, just with the talent level that are there. I think someone else is coming out of the West this year, and I honestly don't know who it is. Matchups are going to play a big role in that. Um, and I think this is Milwaukee's best year as well, best chance to get in. If Brooklyn's not healthy, they have no defense. Um, so, but Brooklyn has the most talent. They, you know, to me it makes the most sense. Brooklyn, although their three top players have only played seven games together all season long. So we'll see. But they can put up 140 points every night if they want to. So I'll go Brooklyn Lakers. I'll be boring with, with the pick. Uh, but it would not surprise me if someone else comes out of the West other than L.A. because of the health issues with Davis and LeBron. Yeah, Kyrie's more worried about uh, the overseas situations than he is hoops right now, according to ESPN. Yeah. Of course, this is the man who always said the world was flat, so that's another story altogether. Right. <laughs> He's Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. Tell us what you got going on and where we can find you on social media. Well, if you listen to the podcast, you would have gotten four out of five picks correct in the UFC last night on the main card. Uh, but uh, you can find us on Twitter at Sports Stove. The Sports Stove podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast. we got great stuff coming out. Uh, NBA playoff preview will be dropped uh, later tonight, as well as talking uh, Tim Tebow. We'll get a little bit of Medina, Medina Spirit in there. Uh, 
uh, lots of fun stuff coming up in the podcast. Nothing but cash and tickets on this show. He's Vince Stover. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks, Brad. All right, buddy. That's Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. Make sure to check him out. He's got great stuff. We'll be right back here on ESPN Radio. We'll uh, preview the Angelo show coming up, and we'll tell you what to come on ESPN Radio this afternoon. That's next here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Tanner, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. We are running late, but a special guest here on the bottom line as we sign off today. It is our good friend, Angelo Carriero. Angelo, what's coming up on your big show coming up right after the bottom line? Thank you very much, Brad Taylor, for having me on the bottom line this morning. I'm going to be talking about Ty Ty Washington, Jaden Hardy, Nolan Hickman, and the uh, UK recruiting situation. And yes, it is a situation, so be be sure to tune in to listen to that. I also am going to be talking about the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the final regular season game. I don't know if you did betting props on the uh, playoff odds and whatnot about the final game today, but uh, we have that. We've got uh, a little bit of MVP talk, uh, which is pretty much a sure thing. If you haven't bet Nikola Jokic, do it now. And uh, WrestleMania backlashes tonight, so we'll do a run through of the card. WrestleMania backlash. We talked about Hulk Hogan on this show today. That's a true statement. We let off the show. I know you weren't listening. I know you had to wake up and stuff. I know it's a rough night. It's Saturday nights. Saturday nights at Jake's Cigar Bar. I know it's tough for you to get up in time. That's all right. He's our good friend, Angelo Carrier. We'll make sure to listen to him right after this show. Thanks for listening. Email us anytime. BottomlineLex at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at BottomlineLex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.